That's wonderful, hey? But how are you doing this morning as a church and as a congregation? As um, Mark was saying, there's about 45, 46 congregations. I think today about six or 7,000 people will meet in Josh Jen across wherever, up to as far as Harare in Zimbabwe. And um, yeah, two of the guys in the America have taken our name. They've asked if they can. Josh Jen Upstate, a guy who's on eldership with us in Durbanville, and uh, he's um, calling it Josh Jen Upstate. In South Carolina and now in Newport, eh? Kaz, also Josh Jen. So it's amazing. We, when we joined the church in January '99, there were 15 people. Was, Andrew stood up on the last weekend of, uh, of January '99 and he said, This is our first official meeting. And there were about 15 of us. And just, it's amazing what God has done. You know, 1 Corinthians 3 says, We can plant. We can water, but God makes it grow, and we give God the glory in terms of the growth, and we don't want to grow just for the sake of it and just have numbers and don't want to boast in numbers. We want to boast in what Jesus has done in those numbers. You know, and the Bible often talks about 3,000 were added in those days. Somebody must have counted them, and so there's a, there's a joy and a celebration when people come to know Jesus and, and people grow in him. Um, you know, the church we were part we, Jenny and I have only ever been in two churches, one in Durban and one in Cape Town in 43 years. And in January 99, Jenny was part of a church, the church plant out of Durban into just outside of Durban, which is where I got saved in that church in 1980. And um, so it's amazing. We saw that church grow as well from a, a little bunch of guys. Our lead elder, I think he'd only been saved five years. And uh, I think he speaks a lot of Charles Spurgeon stuff just to keep going, and, um, hmm? pardon, I don't know, he was in his 20s, yeah, sorry, 25, yeah, yeah, when he was led the church, barely could read the Bible himself, and so, it's amazing to see what God's done over the 43 years in this journey, you know, and to see what the Lord's done, and so, it's encouraging, I want to encourage you guys, you know, Romans 5 talks about, um, you know, that. There's a, there's a testing that comes, there's a persevering that comes, there's a character that's formed, and there's a hope that's birthed in us. Almost like God's not a formula, but there's a, there's, we, you will get tested in this life, do you know that? You will. The, the devil asks, can he test you? I mean, G, Jesus turns to Peter just before uh, the crucifixion, and he says to Peter, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you. He didn't quote James and say, well, to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. He said, no, you're going to get tested, and when you've turned back, when you've, when you've come through that test, strengthen your brothers. Uh, Job, we know, wonders, you know, in Job, we know that the devil roams the earth. He comes into God's presence, and he says, look at your servant Job. He's an incredible guy. Job had done nothing wrong, but God allowed him to be tested. And he said, you, and he said you know, let, me, let, me, let me touch Job's life. He only serves you because you bless him. Now, have you ever thought about that? Do you only serve God because the, the weather's good, you've got a house, you've got a car, you've got a job, you've got health? But what happens if that gets shaken and that gets tested? Um, will you still persevere and push through and serve God? And, you, and so testing is not a bad thing. Jesus, who was perfect, was tested. He tempted. He went, got tempted in the, de- in the desert. The Holy Spirit led him there. So God's okay. God is in control, all right? The devil cannot do anything without, the, without God's permission. This, people focus so much on the devil and his power. You know, every year at Easter or Christmas, we get an email, you know, that Easter means worshiping of the, some goddess or something. They give the enemy so much power. It actually, it's myths. Those, most of those stories are all myths anyhow. And people just believe them because they're so in, in sort of scared of the devil and given so much 
power. God is in control, man. He's powerful. The devil trembles at his name. And we've got to keep remembering who's on the throne. And we've got an enemy. In 1 Peter 5, it says he prowls around, seeking whom he can devour. But, man, we, we, we're in Christ. If you remain in Christ, no matter what you go through, you will come out the other end strengthened and strong and serving him. Like, like Daniel um, says, um, you know, our God can deliver us, but if he doesn't, we will not serve you, emperor. We, you know, so our God can deliver us. Hebrews 11, it speaks of the heroes of the faith, how they said they didn't even receive what they were waiting for. You know, we, we say, we pray, we must get a result. But what if you get no result? What if you just call to pray? What if you just did all to stand just to stand? And just to go through, but you see, if you point in the wrong direction, if your expectation of God is wrong, if your theology of God is incorrect, you will not be able to stand after 43 years like we have. And I boast in God in that. And we just kept making God decisions. Lord, what's the safe, where, where's the safe place in you? I want to abide in you. I want to remain in you. We've been tested. We've been going through, we've gone through peaks and we've gone through valleys. And we know this, Jesus is on the throne and he's good. God is good. I don't worship him. I don't just because of what he can give us and what I can get out of him. Neil said, I, I probably mentioned last time I was here, I had, the, I had COVID and they said, you know, welcome to the COVID ward, you're probably going to be at Jesus, that's their words. And um, the doctor said, this is Mr. Fraser, I keep a bed for someone who's dying and all that type of talk. And, but prayer and good medical intervention, I'm here today. And the last year, since then, I had cancer and I got, had that all cut out by a robot, only robot in the Western Cape. I thought it was this delicate little robot with little arms and it was this monster thing, man. And um, I can do car assembly with it afterwards in between operations, you know. Um, but the cancer was cut out, and thank, thank the Lord for medical intervention. And we just keep going until God calls us home, you know. And we don't know what age that will be and, and what that will look like. But every day, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough problems of its own. And we're we pastors and we're elders, and uh, we deal with people. All day, every day, and we hear stories, and we deal with life situations, and we see what people have to go through. And it's, sometimes it's unbelievable what people have to go through. But it's so amazing to see when people just cling to God and say, Lord, I've got nowhere else to go but to stay and remain in you and to walk in you and, and to know that you will bring me through safety to What you've begun, you will finish. And you know, so I've seen, you know, we've seen two groups of people over the years, those who've remained in Jesus and stayed the course and said, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. I don't care what this life, what happens to me in this life, I will serve you no matter what. And we've seen those who've given up good friends, guys who were serving God, guys who were standing up front and waving, jumping up and down and praising God and reading their Bibles. And when life comes, the Bible says that the, the cares of this world can choke the life of God out of us. And uh, if it's not built on good foundations, and that's why th good, strong theology, sound theology is so important, so important. And we're seeing at the moment in the current age that we're living in, uh, we're churches that are capitulating and giving in to the, the world's values. We call to influence the world. We call to bring the values of the kingdom of God into this earth. Not that this earth will be heaven, but to bring those values of how to, how to live and how to hold firm and, and stay true in terms of what God is all about. But slowly but surely, the world, it's powerful. They've got a massive media on their side. And uh, they've got a lot of things on their side. And they have influenced a lot of churches to give in to the godly values and, and not to hold the line. And um, we're just seeing it one by one, churches folding and giving in. And we're called to go the whole way, right to the end. Um, 
And one of the, one of the most powerful things, and I'll actually, I think Mark might have mentioned it, and Neil actually mentioned on the Facebook post yesterday about Ephesians and, and the church and the living stones and the body of Christ. And that's, what, then I want, that's why when I said, you know, how are you doing as a church? Because um, God loves the church. He really does. Uh, and I'm on, some, I'm on some media sites with Ameri- normally American where they talk about church and they talk about church leadership and the amount of negativity when people come on there and they're thousands and just, yeah, church is man-made and church is this and church is that and there's, there's so much brokenness and pain and hurts and maybe it is the church's fault and poor leadership that's caused these people to react like they do and to believe like they do. Um, but not every church must be like that, the way they're describing. Surely there must be a remnancies of what God is doing across the planet of good, godly people. And we often focus on the high-profile guys who fall. But what about all the churches who are just 100 strong, 50 strong, just serving the Lord faithfully, going about life, and doing life diligently and faithfully in God? Um, a lot of, you know, in, in Scripture, a lot of it's quite mundane, when I got saved, I wanted, I wanted revivals and, you know, Scottish Hebridy revivals. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, and uh, also, you know, I was big into the, the gifts and, and the power of God and Smith Wigglesworth and laying hands on the sick. And, and I've seen that. We've seen miracles. We have over, over the decades. We've seen God really touch. But, you know, healthy bodies is not the main focus for God. Healthy souls is his main focus, you know. Um, I was taking my son to the airport the other day. He's 30, my middle son's 37. My older son's just turned 40. That's quite a shocker for a parent. Um, <laughs> when your son turns 40. And uh, well, my mother's 90. And, uh, and I was taking my 37-year-old son to the airport. He's a game ranger. He was flying back to Eastern Cape. And uh, I said, you know, Dave, you're 37. If you got to the age of 20 in America or Europe, about 150 years ago in the 1800s, if you got to the age of 20, there's such a high child mortality rate. Um, women died in childbirth. The main reason women died 100-something, 20 years ago was childbirth. And, um, and I said, you, if you got to 20, you could expect to live to 37. That's the statistics for America and Europe that we know of. Today, it would be America, 77 for males and 82 for women. Jumped almost more than double. So we're living sometimes in a bubble thinking, oh, tomorrow's another day. And, well, I'll sort that out tomorrow in God and, you know, just... I'm enjoying where I am today. And so sometimes there's an urgency of the hour to let's carpe diem, let's seize the day, let's get this right now. Now's the day of salvation. Now's the day to get things right and to walk closely with God. I may have shared with you guys, we get around to a different church every Sunday, sometimes two. And um, so if you hear my same stories again, please forgive me. Um, And so when I was in hospital, they said, okay, you're dying and and you're probably not going to make it. So I said, okay, I better say goodbye to my family. So I got my phone. I had that. And I, I was so weak, I couldn't record a, a goodbye message. So I had to just start coming before God and saying, hey, Lord, is my heart pure before you? Am I ready to see you face to face? I had to weigh that up. You know, this is now reality. It's great to stand up and talk about it. And yeah, one day we're going to be in heaven. You're asking me, great, wonderful. But for me, that moment was right in, in front of me. You know, that, a lady on the other side um, in their 30s, 40s, these two ladies in, in intubated and in a coma, and they both passed away. They went, and, I, and they died. People were dying in that ward. It was especially set up for extreme cases in Rondebosch. And, um, and I'd say, God, here, is this it? You know, and I just realized, I, I just, it gave me an insight into how I've lived my life. I keep short accounts with God. And I realized, you know, there was, uh, if, I was, if something happens in my life, today I'm going to sort it out. You know, even though some, something like marriage, we, we've married 41 years now, 
when, you know, when we got married, we said, right, the word divorce does not enter into our vocabulary. It's, it's, we burn that ship on the, on the shore. That's, there's no going back. We, we're married. We're going to make this work because God is with us. Who can be again? We will make this work because we've got God with us and filled inside of us. Don't go to bed angry, it says. So we don't go to bed angry. We sort it out. We, we deal with issues. We've always lived like that. Short accounts with God as well. Lord, of anything in my life, and we're not overly sin-focused and, you know, walking around, am I sinning, am I sinning? But just to make sure, Lord, I want to be holy before you. You called me to be holy. Call me to be sanctified. You're an amazing God. You, you transform lives. And, you know, I've got this acronym that I came out. It's called RAT, R-A-T. It means revelation, application, transformation. And so many times we just live in a state of revelation, of just tell me something new, fascinating about God. Let's just... You know, always in a state of, wow, that's amazing. That's, oh, that's so fantastic. New truth, new truth. And, and we're always amazed, but we never actually apply it. It's okay, Lord, let me apply what you've just said. And then transformation, because the Word of God, God watches over His Word to see us transformed and changed, become Christ-like. We were in Gauteng a month ago, about yeah, one month. I was trying to work out this morning when it was. And um, Ryan Kingsley, many of you guys know him. He used to lead City Bowl. He's now leading up in Gauteng up there. And he preached the first night on um, get ready. Get ready. Jesus is coming back for his bride. And it was a, one of the most powerful messages I've heard for a long time. It was a really cutting message. And it wasn't like Ryan. He doesn't normally preach messages like that, you know. And um, at the end, there was like just an awe of God. Like, and it was like a holy. And we were trying to, you know, a lot of our meetings, we don't know what we're doing. So we normally just try and pick up and keep in step with the Spirit. And so I, I got up and I just said, guys, I just feel in God that we just shut this meeting down right now and go home and process what God has said. We can't just be in awe of a message. Wow, that was amazing. What is the scripture again? No, we've got to go and take this word. It was such a now word. That let's just, I said, don't talk, because normally, you know, you close a meeting down, everyone talks and gets coffee, and they all slowly make their way out. I said, just go now, no talking, 700 people, and go home and go and process this word. Don't let it just be, oh, there was a nice message. What's, okay, what's the next one? You know, who's the next speaker? Oh, Merv. No, that should be good, you know. And they did. They all were quietly. The whole guys that went home, it just like a God. I'd never done anything like that before. Just chased everyone home, you know. Um, it felt a bit awkward. But anyhow, it, but it felt good in God, though. It was the right thing to do. So Jesus loves his church, man. And the Bible says that he's, he's the head. I think you mentioned it. What have you mentioned? Someone mentioned it this morning. Jesus is the head of the church. And he's not working in parallel. Like Jesus is building his church over here, and we're sort of doing our thing over here. And every now and again, we just touch base. You know, how, you know, how are you doing, Jesus? You know, you know, we compare notes. You know, it's, we are one in the, He's the head. We are the body. We're the reflection on this earth of what the head is all about. The head flows into the body. The head is, is connected to the body. We are connected in Christ. And he is guiding us and leading us to build his church. You're a beautiful bride. I won't bring any mirrors right now. You may not, may not agree. But you are. And God's eyes, you're beautiful because he's made you beautiful. You're holy because he's made you holy. He died on the cross for you. You belong to him. He's coming back for his bride. His bride is getting ready. My youngest son, James, he lives in Amsterdam for about seven years. He's a chartered accountant. and He's engaged to a chartered accountant. She's from another country which maybe we shouldn't always mention Russia these days, but she's from Russia. And, uh, and they're getting married at the end of the year. They're coming out to South Africa. We're going to do their wedding. And all the plans are taking place and getting the, the bride is starting to get herself ready. 
She's starting to plan her dress and her hair and all these. Right now, I mean, these Russians take their wedding seriously. And, uh, you know, we normally just pitch up and, okay, what's happening? I'm getting married, okay. And, uh, but, you know, the preparations are getting ready. And the bride is getting herself ready, and Jesus is getting his bride ready. There's a, the two are working together. There's two scriptures in the Revelations, Ephesians, that mention that. And so, as a bride, are you getting ready? Are you preparing and becoming the church that Jesus loves dearly? Let's read Ephesians. We're going to read a lot of Ephesians right now. From 1, verse 1, to, to, to verse 2, we're going to go right to 23. Quite a chunk, and then we'll stop a bit and just look at it. Now imagine Paul writing to you, okay, Greenpoint. Josh Jen Greenpoint. Paul, just, just picture it, because he's writing to a church here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So good, you believe God made him an apostle. To the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Greenpoint, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Last beat there. Wheels carry on. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, what are the spiritual blessings? Well, we're gonna we're gonna pick it up as we go through go through the scripture right now. We blessed with every spiritual blessing. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Okay, so he chose you. Just say your name in your head. Your name. He chose you. Before creation, before this world's even formed, he chose you. Your name. He didn't just randomly, okay, you're born now. Okay, okay, I'll call you. No, he chose you before time, as we know it, would have been around. To be holy and blameless. Do you, do you see yourself as holy? Do you see yourself as blameless? Because God is viewing you in that light because of what Jesus has done. His blood covers your life, your sin. In love, in love, he predestined us, which means, again, before time, us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To, be, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. I got a call the other day from a, a pastor in another province, and um, he said, we've just got a call from adoption guys that we can get this baby. They don't know when it was born. They don't know what its health is. They've got no record. It's just dumped at the hospital. Will you pray with us? We've got we to know about tomorrow whether we're going to adopt this child or not. And I just suddenly thought, it just hit me how powerful this moment was. He phoned the next day. Has God said anything to you, you know? And I just thought... This child's life is going to be adopted into a family, and his life will be changed forever. It's, it's, it's unloved, uncared for, abandoned, and here it's getting adopted into a family, and it's going to be loved. And his whole life, his whole destiny will be shaped and, and changed because of that one decision of these guys to say, we'll take that baby, we'll adopt it and bring it in. And Jesus, you know, the Father's adopted you through Jesus. He's called you in to his family and you'd like to be loved and to be cared for and to change your destiny and your whole purpose and your life for all eternity. I'm up to um, verse 7. In him we have redemption. These are the, now you want to know what the blessings are? Well, we're redeemed through his blood. That's, an, that's like the blessing. 
of note. The forgiveness of sins. When you came to Christ, all your past was washed away. You were like white as snow. Otherwise, you couldn't have a relationship with God. He's so holy. If you, really, you, know, if you come to God's presence and you're not covered by the blood of Christ, you're in a dangerous place. But because you're in Christ and your, your life has covered Him, you can come into His presence boldly, that says. We can approach Him unashamed and come before Him. In accordance, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, all done by God, you can do nothing for your salvation. That He lavished on us, that's a strong word, with all wisdom and understanding, and He made known to us the mystery of His will according to his good pleasure. These are all blessings that God's given us and poured out on us, which he pur purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times have, will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. And that's a beautiful moment that we, we can't wait for that day when everything's going to come in its completeness and its fullness. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the pur purpose of his will, in order that we were, who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of your salvation, having believed you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. We were marked in Him. There's a marking that God's placed on us, um, a seal of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is, wherever you go, you're filled with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is in you and working in you. And Jesus said He'll give us the Holy Spirit to remind us of everything that He has taught us. All these commands. Matthew 28 says, Go into the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all I've commanded. Even this morning, part of the teaching will be to teach us to obey all the things that Jesus commanded. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Some people, you know, there's guys... Uh, sort of debate this sometimes, you know, when do people receive the Holy Spirit? We know that even the disciples had the Holy Spirit, Jesus breathed on, on, them, on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then later there was an empowering when the Holy Spirit was poured out the day of Pentecost. So some people believe that at salvation that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And some would I can, I've seen in Scripture, and my own experience, according, and I can see the Scriptures that would support it, because Paul even came to some of the believers and he said, have you, what baptism have you had? And they said, no, the baptism of John, into repentance of salvation. He said, well, there's another baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when I was, um, I was in Pretoria at one stage for work, and I was up there, and uh, I went to this, I was a new believer, I'd even saved a few months, I had a radical salvation, um, Literally, I came to a church like this. I didn't know what church was. I'd grown up in a so-called Christian country, which it wasn't really at all. And there's no such thing as a Christian country, um, only Christian people. And, uh, and so there was, you know, in our schools there was prayer and there was singing and there was a lot of, but it went straight over my head. So at, I, when, I, when I got saved, I didn't know what an elder was, a deacon or tithing or anything. I'd never, I'd, I think I'd been in church once or twice on, on Christmas Day or something like that. Um, 
And then I came to a friend of mine, he actually died during COVID about two years ago, just when I had it. He tried phoning me in the ward and I couldn't take his call and about two weeks later he died. And, and uh, this guy was interested in a girl and, it, and so he was going to this church. He wasn't saved either. He said, come see this church. I've never seen anything like it. So I came and I sat in amongst a church like this and it was weird. And I stand up, sing, raise your hands and, and all this. And it was, it was really strange. It was called the Invisible Church of all things. So that was really freaky in 1980. Because um, they were trying, the whole point was, you know, what you guys are walking today, you don't realize this has been fought for. Because those days, church was the building. You go to church, it was in a building. And, and, and so there's a lot of change taking place. And I just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And um, for terms of salvation, I wasn't desperate for God. I wasn't, I didn't have any problems. I just realized my life was totally empty without Him. And I just wanted this Jesus. And I, got, I remember, I, would, I didn't care who was here, I just got on my knees somewhere over there, and I said, Lord, come into my life. I don't know what this means, I haven't a clue. I, you know, I, I didn't know how to pray a salvation prayer. I just said, Jesus, come into my life. The next day I tried to get drunk, because that's what we did in those days, and, and, what I, and how I was living life. And I got sick and said, and I didn't drink again. And so, and God just started redeeming and changing me. And then I said, three months later, I'm in this church in Pretoria, and some friends say, they go to these classes they're having over here where they're baptizing in the Holy Spirit, teaching on it. So I said, okay, go along, sit down. I don't know what that was. You know, when, when people sort of prayed in tongues and that and sang in tongues and other you know, Greek people in our church praying in their home language. And so, um, cool, you know. And so, but then they said, who? They did a little teaching, which I can't remember the teaching at all, what they said. And they said, who wants to be prayed for? And this older lady goes up and she sits down and they pray for her. Nothing really happens. So, okay. That's, and she, she goes and sits down. And says, who else wants to be prayed for? So I go, me. So I go and sit down. And when they prayed for me, suddenly the whole room just lit up. I felt like the sun had moved into the room. It was just bright, bright, bright. I felt like warm honey pouring all over me. And my mouth was just speaking in this, this, this heavenly language. And I was so on fire for God. It was like a Pentecost experience. And after that, every time I met a Christian, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, the first words, I don't care where you come from, who you are. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Come, let me pray for you. And we used to have such power in terms of people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't like standing for hours, like, I repeat after me and, you know, come, you know, guys all to stand there. The Holy Spirit would come on guys and people would just start, you know, just, just, just had a raw, energy, raw spirit-led type of life. And I said, what is it? It was wild, to put it mildly. Salvations were not difficult. You know, we used to bring guys into church like this, and guys would get saved, and it was a phenomenal time. And then slowly, sometimes church gets a bit too organized, and sometimes it can kill the life of the Spirit. So we've got to keep, you know, we've got to be, there's an organized, God wants us to be ordered. He doesn't want chaos. But there's a time for heavenly breakout in the Spirit, hey? For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And that's what he doesn't pray for salvations and deliverances. He prays that they would know him better. You see, when Christians are knowing Christ better, when they know Jesus properly, when they're walking in, in full understanding and their lives are transformed, things happen. I really believe in, and I, I see in Scripture, the overflow principle. Whereas you filled with God, there's an overflow. People can't help but be impacted by your life. My very first guy I led to the Lord was my best friend, Earl. 
up in Durban. And he was quite a cool dude, you know. And he was, uh, and we were going through Pine Town where, and through looking at a place up in Durban, and we were going to get shoes, I think it was. I'd freshly got saved, and I was all wild and crazy. And, and he says, and when we get back, he said, man, there's something flowing out of you. We were walking in the street. Uh, what is that? And so, like, I don't know the Christian language or anything like that. So I said, well, it must be God or the Holy Spirit, you know, because that's what I am now. I'm full, of, I'm full of the Spirit. And so he said, what do I do? So I said, well, you've got to give your life to Jesus. So how do I do that? He said, well, get on your knees. Come. So we get on our knees next to my bed, and he gives his life to Jesus, you know. And just something that flows out of us, that, that's because you know how I prepare for any message. I just go and spend time in God. I spend like a day before just soaking myself and reading the Word, just taking and just reminding, because this Word is so alive. After 43 years, I, cannot, I, can't, I can't get bored of God's Word. It's impossible because God is creative. The devil is not creative, okay? He works, we say he works like a spur menu. I think the spur menu was around when I was a kid. And uh, the same old burgers, the same old, you know, and um, there's like no change. There's not like anything radical there. But God is creative. You, I read scripture, and to this day, I will see new things. And I've read this thing over and over and over, but I can still get fresh revelation and, and truth out of it because God is so creative and, so, and he's alive. Okay? And he reveals his word. It's praise you have a spirit of revelation. You may know him better. So healthy church, you know, do you love the church? You will if you know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe. Folks, there's got to be a hope in us all the time. We've got to live. We are, the Bible says we're aliens. We're temporary, strangers on this earth. We're just passing through, and obviously for me, I'm slightly older than most of you guys here, and I encountered, had sort of life and death encounters twice in the last two years. But you can ask my wife, Jenny, she'll tell you, it's wild, you man. <laughs> but I love it. Church should be a bit messy. Okay, just, just focus. Just go with the flow. Um, that's how it should be. Imagine Jesus preached. There were kids there, there's everything around, the demons coming out, you know. It wasn't the kids, it was just demons. And, um, and so, you know, what was I saying? Yeah. I've always lived with the hope of Christ in my life, all the time. My mother thought I had a, a, a death wish. I said, I don't need death wishes. I just know that this is not my home. I'm just going to be faithful and do my best in this life be, and, and love my wife, love my kids, love the church, love Jesus. But the reality is we're just passing through. Any moment will be an eternity forever. Any moment, it's going to be so. This life goes so fast, eh? I was with a Stellenbosch uh, young uh, evening congregation in Stellenbosch on Tuesday night. Jenny spoke to the ladies. I spoke to the young men. And you just realised, you know, forty years between us, more than forty years, and and just trying to give them. So you know, they were saying what, and they asked me to speak on how to make it through this life. And and you know, I can give you rules. I can give you things of wisdom. Uh, don't do this. Don't do that. You know, and there's some wise things. You know. Stay away from sin. Don't, don't tempt yourself with sin. Pornography. You can't afford to go there, guys. And even girls today, apparently, 30% of women, the general stats are into pornography. I'm shocked. Jenny and I are both still trying to process that one. Um, but, you know, if, if you're going to play with fire, you're going to get burnt. If you're going to stand there of a cliff, you could fall off. So my, the wisdom is, Lord, keep me far away from sin. I'm not, I don't want to go and find out. Let me, let me just fiddle with it and, and dabble in it. Because I'm going to get burnt. I know I'm a weak person. I know um, I, I like to think I'm strong, but really I'm weak. 
I need Jesus. Let the weak say they are strong. And the only way I've kept going and, and by staying close to him, saying, Lord, I want to be faithful to you and uh, holy. I want to be a holy man. Um, some, but the thing that's kept me the most is just, Lord, I want to please you. I really am in love with you, God, and I want, I want to follow you. I want to please you in everything of my life. How can I do that? Um, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the, for the church. The church is his idea, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. The church is not man's idea, folks. We've got to kill that one once and for all. This is God's idea. We just want to be obedient. We got to, as leaders, the Bible says, we've got to present the church back to God one day. One, Colossians 1, 28 and 29, Hebrews 13, 7, 13 17. That we've got a, a calling on our lives as leaders and, uh, and other elders here, Marius. And uh, we've got to stand for God one day, give an answer for you. How we taught you, how we protected you, how we led you guys, how we loved you, how we encouraged you, how we walked in our example in front of you. Um, all these things, God's going to hold us to an account one day. There is a grace upon our lives to do that, but still it has to be done. Because this is His. You belong to Him. You don't belong to us. He bought you, not us. We under shepherds. He's the great shepherd, Jesus. Ephesians 3. A few more scriptures we're going to land. Ephesians 3, 7 to 12. I became a servant of this gospel, this good news. By the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of His power, although I'm, the, I'm less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach with freedom, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So, the, guys, this is, a, this is God's A plan with other born again churches in the area. God's called you and raised you up for this time, this hour, according to Acts 17, I think it is, where God puts has a purpose and a plan for every single person. It's not random that you hear. God sometimes orchestrates circumstances to get you to be in the right place, that you can all present yourselves as living sacrifices. I trust that every one of you will take ownership of this part of the body. Don't come. Did you come here this morning? Okay, what, what's Neil going to do? What's Mark and Marius going to do? Well, how's the worship team? How, how, the, how good are they? Let's see if they do a good job or not. Man, in, in, I led in Durbanville Church for 10 years, and we, we handed over about a year ago. And I always said to the congregation, guys, I'm not waiting for the musicians to lead us into God's presence. We've, I've come here to go into His presence, and we should all come prepared. I'm going to God's presence. Will you have a bad day or not? Because they're going to have bad days. They'll get the wrong chord, sing out of, of key, whatever. You know, we're not reliant on them. They're great. I mean, they're wonderful. They did a great job. 
But we don't, if they have a bad day, we all have a bad day. You know, worship didn't go well because it's their fault. No, we come, we come to this time together. This is, a, this is a wonderful time of God's people getting together and saying, Lord, how can I bless your church today? Come into this time and say, Lord, is there anyone here who needs some prayer? Just, uh, just to be cared for, just to be loved. And can I be used by you, God? I'm offering myself. And I want to get over my shyness and my insecurities and be available because we're his body, we're his church. And we've got, there's only one plan. Um, um, and Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. So live a life that God's called you. He's called every one of you to love his church. Fall in love with this church. Because as you fall in love with the church, the people, you're falling in love with God. Because 1 John 4.20 says, you, you can't say that you love God you've never seen. If you, don't say, can't, you don't love his people who you can see. All your expression vertically of your relationship with God will always be exhibited and will be lived out horizontally. You know, people say, no, I only trust God. I don't trust man. Man's weak. He makes mistakes. Well, then you've got a problem with Jesus then because he turned to Peter and said, Peter, you know, Satan's asked to test you. And uh, he says, Peter, you know, you have the keys for the kingdom, knowing that Peter's going to fail. He didn't say, yeah, I can't, take, I can't trust Peter, man. He's going to fail. He's going to deny me. I can't give him the keys. Let me find someone else, you know, someone more reliable. But he knew. He knows that we're going to have failings. We're going to have weaknesses. We're going to get it wrong sometimes. But in all that, he says, he trusts us. Because love always trusts. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love always trusts. And trust has been so eroded today. You know, pastors used to be respected back in the day. Uh, today, I think they're number 26 in America, where all our statistics come from. And because uh, pastors, you know, they're the high-profile guys. There's so much media. They get exposed and all this type of stuff. But they forget about all the thousands of pastors who are so, who godly men who, who love God and love their wives, love their children, and are faithful in loving God's people. So let's choose. Love is a choice. Love is action. It's not just words. It's a choice. You've got to choose to trust. You've got to choose to be in love. You know, every day I've got a choice to make whether I'm going to love God or not, and not just emotions, because I know we're living in an extremely emotionally driven world, um, driven by feelings, emotions. People get offended left, right, and center. Be inoffendable, unoffendable, whatever the correct word is. Don't be offended. You're dead, man. In Christ, you're dead. You've got no rights. Doesn't matter what the Constitution says in this country, that country. Which constitution do you serve? I mean, right here in Africa, we've got two extreme constitutions, Uganda and South Africa, on the sexual spectrum. Now, which one's right? The word of God's right. Because constitutions come and go, governments come and go, political parties come and go, but God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's be those who build the church of God, present ourselves. We need all hands on deck. This area's got to be reached, and the greater area has to be reached for Jesus. And you're it. There is no other. There's no programs. There's no... We're it. We're God's, we're God's A plan. He said, I've chosen you before time to be my church. And out of that abundant relationship you have with him, that you'd be an overflow of a compassion. I love this testimonies this morning of a compassion for people. Hitting the streets, getting there. Well done. Well done, Greenpoint. Well done for what you guys are doing. And, uh, but there's more, okay? There's more. God wants, he's, he's, he's excited for what he wants to do in, the, in and through us. So don't get bogged down in this life. I see a lot of children getting born and stuff, and uh, we, we, this is, that's wonderful. But don't let the cares in the, of this world choke you, choke the life of God out of you. Okay, your babies will grow up, the children will grow up. It's a fact of life. And so just 
Don't get caught up. There's a time and a place, so don't, we don't want to burn you out. So just in wisdom. I was going to read some more scripture, but I think we've run out of time. Let's just stand. Let's stand. I really believe there's been an impartation from God this morning of, a, of, a, of wanting to just to fall in love with Him and to fall in love with His church, the expression of your love. There's no other way you can express it. By this, they will, by this they will know you are my disciples, by the love you have one for another. And it's not just words, affirmation, it's, it's action, putting feet on the ground. It's, it's hands touching, loving, caring for one another. Hearts united. Unity. God so looks for unity amongst us. Can there be differences? Of course. But the unity of the Spirit should be something that we, the Bible says, strive for unity. You know, we, we always use, hate those words, you know, what about the grace of God? No, it says strive because you've got to fight for it. It's, it's a, we're at war. The devil's individualistic. He wants to break up, but God wants to unite. His last prayer was for unity amongst us. Let them be one, Father, as we are one. Father, I pray for us as a people this morning. I pray this morning that every heart will be on fire for you. Every heart, Lord. If you need to realign this morning on God in any way, I felt the word offended before I came. I was praying and asking the Lord for is anything specific. And I feel there might be some who've been offended. And you've learned to get by, you, but you've put, you've put walls up. And you're guarding your hearts. And you, is, is, we're, only get, we're only experiencing a part of you, not the fullness of you. And Christ dwells in you fully. And we're not, we're not experiencing that in some folk here. And so I feel that there's some folk who've picked up an offense and and you know it's right to be part of the church and be here. And, but there's going to come a time when you'll be tested and, and you'll want to tear away because that offense, hasn't, that offense hasn't been dealt with. Get healed this morning. Christ the healer. By stripes you have been healed. And physical is nice, but the, these, these are just temporary bodies. But it's the soul that's the most important. Your soul that you're going to take into eternity is part of your spirit. We're all, it's all one. So if you feel that there's any offense that, that you've picked up, dig, um, yeah, let the light shine on it this morning. Let the light of God shine on it, because he wants to bring healing. That's not to bring condemnation, but he wants to bring healing to you. Healed people are, are amazing. They can do things. If I wasn't healed physically right now, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. And God healed. And in the same way, we're not healed spiritually and, and in the soul. We go through life damaged and, and hurt, hurt people hurts people. And there will come a time when you'll, you'll tear away and you'll, you'll break. And I pray that you'll, you'll, that won't happen. I pray that you'll get breakthrough even today that you'll make a decision. Lord, if you've been broken in the area of trust through an authority figure or a parental figure, um, I really feel that God wants to heal and bring healing to your heart this morning for your sake, for your sake. Present your hearts, all of us, let's present our hearts afresh. Say, Lord, here I am. You know me, God, better than I know myself. And Lord, just shine your, shine your light. Sometimes it's too painful to go there. You don't want to go there because then you have to face that thing. But if you don't face it, you, it's, it's just going to hurt you. And You need to deal with it. Deal with it. It takes courage. And we're called to be a courageous people. Let's be courageous in Him and His strength. He will, he will give you the grace for every 
decision that you make, everything that you have to do, God's grace is more than sufficient for every situation. And grace is empowering. It's not just mercy and forgiveness. It's empowering to live a holy life, holy and blameless before Him. Thank you, Father. Work in us right now. Touch every heart, Lord. If God's spoken to you, I won't make you come forward or anything like that now, but go to one of the elders, maybe, or one of the wives, and just say, hey, God spoke to me. There's something I've got in my heart. Won't you help me process it and, and get breakthrough? I pray, Greenpoint, that you come into all that God's got for you as a congregation, as you're part of the greater body of Josh Jen and the even greater body of the Bride of Christ around the world, that you would come into all that God's called you to. Praise blessing over your lives. I really do. That you walk in the fullness of, his, of the blessing that He's poured out. The fullness, the fullness. Take hold of it. In Jesus' name I pray this. Worship you, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.